This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Declan just returned from a 12-night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Jewel of the Seas. It was round-trip Amsterdam up to the Norwegian fjords in the Arctic Circle. Declan, welcome to the show, my friend. Hi, thank you. Excited to hear about this ship and this itinerary. Just went to Norway for the first time this year, and the only question I had to myself was, why is this the first time I was going? It's just like God's (laughs) country over there, and so clean, too. So I'm excited to talk about your itinerary and your cruise up there. Before we get to the ship, as we always do, though, we're going to take a step back. What made you want to take this 12-nighter out of Amsterdam? Because you're over in Dublin. That's correct, yeah. So... During the pandemic, we had uh, two transatlantic cruises cancelled, and I was living in the UK at the time, and then during the pandemic, I moved back to Ireland, where I'm originally from, and we were just very, very keen to go on a cruise again. And We wanted a long cruise, we wanted one that would head north or head transatlantic, and we just really liked the idea of being this one up to the Arctic Circle. We've done Norwegian fjords and Iceland uh, with a bit of Arctic Circle in 2013, Adventure of the Seas. We did uh, Alaska in 2019 on Ovation of the Seas. So we we're kind of keen to do that. We're not sun chasers, so this really appealed to us. Yeah, for sure. Now, you make your way from Dublin down to Amsterdam, but you did a little pre-cruise in what, London? Yeah, so we had a night in London beforehand. That was a late bonus Um we're kind of ABBA fans and they've launched this new show in London and we were very keen to see it. So we said, tag it onto the cruise. So it gave us an extra night. We were really, we really enjoyed that. So I meant we had a short flight to, to London, just less than an hour. And then from London to Amsterdam was another hour. So it was quite an easy thing to, to do. Any pre-cruise time in Amsterdam before the cruise? So we should have had a good day and a half, full day and a half, but because of various delays, and I'm sure you've heard about all the issues at the airports here in Europe, so we had a lot of delays. So we arrived in Amsterdam at midnight, then we had to get up the next day and go and get our COVID testing, and we were trying to have a look around Amsterdam. We've been to Amsterdam before, so we knew, we've seen quite a lot of sites before, so we were quite happy just to wander around, see the city. It was beautiful weather, you know, so we, we, we did that, had a couple of beers, went back to our hotel. We treated ourselves to a nice hotel, so it was um, we wanted to enjoy the room a bit more there, so that was quite nice too. was in Norway in early June. I was flying back, and uh, of course, just a total hot mess at the airport. Like, we pull up, and there's <laughs> just people everywhere outside the terminal in queue and everything. I'm like, oh my gosh, we are totally going to miss our flight. But turns out that was only for, it wasn't international, it was only within the EU. So we had a totally different terminal to go to. So we lucked out, like we had no one in line and those poor people were standing out there in like the sun for like three hours, just like in line waiting to go through security and check their bags and stuff. It was crazy. Uh, Yeah, we had, uh, it it took us over four hours to get through the airport coming home. We flew back direct to Dublin and we had to wait for check-in desk to open and queue for security. It was in the airport, then back outside, then back inside. And so by the time we got through security, we had minutes to get to the plane, but we weren't alone and they held the plane. Yeah, wow. So you make your way to the cruise terminal in Amsterdam. Do they all embark there at the same place? Yeah, so... It seems that way. Uh, I can't see another place that they embark. So the room there for two or three ships, because the, in the day before we'd seen uh, one of the celebrity ships and one of the Holland America. The day we were sailing, there was just the one ship going out. And they have a really good, efficient setup there. They're clearly used to, you know, embarking cruises. Um, there, They have a hotel attached to the port, although we didn't stay in that one. 
Um, and it, was, it just seemed all pretty simple, straightforward. So, yeah. And it's quite close to the city center, too. You can walk. Very good. So you make your way to the cruise terminal to embark Jewel. What was the embarkation process like? So it was very simple. We just dropped off our bags. Some guy beside a hole in the wall. It was, it was, that was a bit bizarre. We had to go at a particular time. So we chose 11.30. And we were corralled into one area with about 10 people. Then they moved us to another area a couple of minutes later. Again, 10 people. About two minutes later, we were standing up. There was some guy was there with an iPad. We'd already uploaded our pre-cruise COVID vaccination records, passports, photos, et cetera, credit cards, etc. So the only thing we needed to show them then was the COVID test, which was negative, thankfully. And we were straight on board, you know, probably one of the smoothest ones I've ever done in either Europe or the States. Nice. And ballpark estimate from curb to ship? Oh, uh, gosh. 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. I know we were in the schooner bar before 12. Nice. All right. At yeah. yeah. What were your impressions this yeah. time around when you walked on board? So when we walked on board, it felt like coming home. She has that whole kind of early 21st century Royal Caribbean feel about her, the look, the coloring, the decor, the artwork. So it's just like walking onto any uh the Royal Caribbean ships from early in the century. And she's just... Like I say, she just feels like coming home. What kind of stateroom did you have and how was it throughout your voyage? So we had uh, a balcony stateroom, deck seven. We like uh, cabins fairly near to the lifts and the stairs. Just we don't like traipsing down corridors. It was a lovely cabin, part obstructed view, definitely showing its age. That's the only thing I would say. She's clearly had a bit of a refit sometime in the last 14 years. You know, there's a new TV, new drapes. The furniture was not in great condition. Neither was a bathroom, but it was all spotlessly clean and everything worked. So I can't complain too much. So let's talk about dining on this 12 night sailing. And we'll start at the top at the Windjammer. How was the food in there? And I know that cruise lines have been dealing with staffing issues. Was that a problem? at the, any of the dining venues on board? I wouldn't say it was a problem, but it was noticeable at some of the dining venues, particularly the speciality dining restaurants. But in the Windjammer, you know, there seemed to be whatever staff we needed. It was self-serve. You know, they had a very nice girl most of the time. I don't know how she spent so many hours up there as you walked in, making sure that you were using the hand gel. They don't have washing stations there, but there are bathrooms nearby that they send you to if you really want to use them, which we did. And then we would still use the hand gel as we walked in. She has the various stations around with all the different types of food. It was very good. We don't use the wind jammer a lot. I have to be honest, we went, I think, once for breakfast, once or twice for lunch and once for dinner. But the food we had was very good, very tasty, very well presented. Couldn't complain at all. This might be a stupid question, so please forgive me in advance. But like the Windjammer buffet, because it's sailing over in northern Europe, is it more of an international fair or is it North American food? So in my view, this one I thought was, uh, I always think on Royal Caribbean, the food is very American, uh, but it was an American view of international fare. So there was some like Thai food, there was some Asian food, there was, you know, some Italian food. But again, it was an American view of these things. I know when I sailed Royal Caribbean from, say, the UK before, they try and put on a few British staples in there. But again, it's an American variation of them. And I quite like that. I like that sense of difference, you know. Um, I mean, we don't have cruise lines in Ireland, but it's it's quite nice to feel like you are abroad. Let's talk about the main dining room. What time dining did you have and how was your experience? We booked late dining, uh, but when we got on board, they put us on my time. But because we had the dining package, plus we dine and bug offs, we decided, you know, we're not going to moan about that. So we just booked uh, the couple of nights that we hadn't planned to go speciality or elsewhere in there. We took the late dining time half eight. 
And we had some really, it was no problem getting a table. We ended up with tables for two. We had some great service. The food was excellent. In fact, I would go as far as to say it's some of the best main dining room food I've had with Royal Caribbean. You know, I had, to, I had some wonderful short rib one night. It was absolutely gorgeous. I had fish another night. It was delicious. I had a pasta dish. Sorry, I can't remember the names of them all exactly. But they were just, it was just the food was very good. It was hot. It was tasty. And the service was very good. Now, I know there isn't a ton of specialty restaurants on board the ship. It is a bit older, but I think there's like Chops and Giovanni's and maybe Azumi on board. Did you do any of those? So we had a five-night dining package, plus, like I say, we both had uh, a BOGO. So we did seven nights in the specialty restaurants. <laughs> so we decided to really treat ourselves. Chops was absolutely excellent, as it always is. We had, you know, the fillet steaks. They are taking less reservations to the restaurant, so it always felt half empty, but they had a lot less staff than you would expect. I mean, the nights we were there, there was just two waiters and a head waiter, manager guy, and then there was somebody in the kitchen that you could see. On one of the nights, the waiter apologized for being so busy, and I was like, well, we haven't noticed any problem with the service, so we couldn't, again, we couldn't find any reason to complain. And I made a point of saying it to the head waiter on my way, I said, you know, the guy over there feels a bit overworked, but we've had excellent service, and I just want to make sure you know that we're very happy. The food was as good as we ever expected in Chops. Giovanni's Kitchen, I feel like it used to be called one of the old Portofinos when I was on there before, but I'm not sure. They're moving towards this kind of uh, the Jamie's Italian type of uh, dining experience in there. So there's no tablecloths. Uh, everything felt a little bit casual, but the food was excellent. I had some excellent sea bass in there, uh, Branzino for you Americans. I had some excellent pasta, a risotto. I had uh, the fillet of fillet of the manzo, forgive my pronunciation, and uh, something else on another night. And they're really good. We went three times to both of those uh, and once to Izumi. We're not huge Japanese food lovers, but Izumi was the strangest one of all because it felt like it had been moved into a restaurant that had been something else before. There was a big long counter that didn't seem to make sense in there. But again, the service was excellent. The food was brilliant. And we had some really crazy cocktails in there. They were uh, Japanese inspired. So we enjoyed those. How about the pizzeria on this one? So the pizzeria is, is in the Solarium, which is the indoor pool area. And it also has a little counter selling, uh, not selling, but serving sandwiches and um, cakes, you know, a bit like uh, Promenade Cafe on some of the larger ships. I have to be honest, I wasn't crazy about it, but I did, maybe that more tempered by the, the space itself, which had a lot of wear and tear in it. We also on deck, I won't say deck five, they had uh, Cafe Latitudes, which is um, the pay for coffee, although we got free coffee there because the coffee machine wasn't working in the Diamond Lounge. And again, they had sandwiches and cakes and things like that. They were, you know, the traditional staples on Royal Caribbean. Excellent in each case. Uh, we only used them a couple of times, but, the, you know, the food was good. It was um, tasty. It was exactly what we expected. I just picked up, you said the coffee machine wasn't working in the Diamond Lounge. So if you're, what is it, a Diamond Club or Diamond Loyalty member, you have access to like a special lounge or something? So once you hit diamond level on Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society, you get access to the diamond lounge on ships that have, which is most. So this is a little space where they have a cocktail hour in the evening. And during the day, they have like a coffee machine. It's usually served yourself where um, you can get like, you know, lattes, macchiatos, Americanos, whatever you want. We don't often use it. But we're, you know, we're quite happy with black coffee. So we, we would have just taken like a free coffee they did coffee promenade but we had to go all the way to the windjammer every time we wanted that but because that wasn't working they had a sign up saying just show your diamond card down at uh cafe latitudes and you get free coffee there which was quite good because it meant we got fresh made americanos and things like that so we were very happy with that 
The Diamond uh, membership also entitles you to some free drinks on your cards every day. This used to be just for a couple of hours in the evening, but now it's 24 hours a day and it resets every day. I like how you said you had to walk all the way to the Windjammer, which is like, what, 293 <laughs> meters or whatever it is to 300? Oh, yeah, yeah. But when you're on vacation, you don't right. have to. <laughs> no, you gotcha. have to. <laughs> Let's talk about the entertainment on this 12-night cruise. What do you think? So on, the, on this cruise, actually, it was really good. They had an excellent cruise director, uh, Clodagh, who incidentally is also from Ireland, and she was known as Hello, Clo. Uh, she was great at him. She was very engaging. It was clear her team were, wanted to work with her. They were, you know, it was a great experience when she was around. And she hosted the Love and Marriage game, which they replayed endlessly on the TV in the cabin. In the theatre, they had, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, these cabaret acts that they bring in, you know, um, Comedy jugglers, singers, musicians. It was really good. They had a production show, I think, on the last night, maybe the second last night. That was excellent. The performance by the onboard performance was absolutely excellent. The only criticism I would have is this ship has a cinema, which is fantastic. But on one of the nights, the main entertainment in the theatre was also another movie. And I just like, mm, that's a bit lazy, you know. You, you have a cinema, mm-hmm. you don't need to. But otherwise, the entertainment was great. They had fantastic musicians in the atrium and they had a pianist in the schooner bar who was was great because you could hear that music in the in Chops and Giovanni's. And then they had entertainment at the Safari Lounge, which is a big lounge at the back of the ship. So there was something going on all the time, something for everybody, I would say. Although one could say not walking to the Windjammer is lazy, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I won't pretend I'm not lazy, but, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. We've all been there. Let's talk about your days at sea. Any idea what the capacity was on this cruise? I was looking back to see if I could find the exact number because I did have it written down, but I can't find it. Just over 1,700 passengers on a ship that normally holds about just over 2,400. So about 75% capacity. A quite surprising fact was over 700 of them were from the States, which was quite a large proportion for a cruise that's sailing purely in Europe. It never felt crowded, but then the ship never did when I sailed on it before. You know, there's plenty of room. You could get deck chairs if you need them. You could uh, find room inside. You know, there was never lines for anything. Um, There's probably a bit of an older passenger base as well because of the long travel and also was still during term time for a lot of European countries with schools. You didn't have a lot of people racing around all day long. And then because there was a lot to see off the ship, because we had the midnight sun, you know, you never knew when it was day or night anyway. So it didn't make any difference. Curious, because this was an Arctic Circle and the Norwegian Fjord. So on the sea days, were people actually laying out by the pool or was it more of a solarium kind of sea day? Uh, the solarium was very busy because I guess for some people it was a bit cool. For us, it was, I mean, I wear shorts all year round. That's just who I am. For us, it was quite warm. I mean, I even got sunburned on the last couple of days when we headed back south. But when we had headed north, it was like... 10, 11, 12 degrees Celsius, which is, you know, pretty warm for that time of the year in that area. But I don't think people wouldn't choose too many people laying out by the outside pool. But though you always saw a few. So, it was, you know, some people are a bit more hardy than others. Yeah. We don't spend a lot of time lying by the pool. So it's not a big issue for us ever. How about the casino as far as the smoke smell in and around it? I mean, I'm a non-smoker. My other half is a smoker. Um, you could smoke in the casino as long as you're playing games. And it, it, they had, it's, I know on some of the larger ships, they have one side that's smoking, one side that's non-smoking. I couldn't tell that. I walked through the casino many times and it never bothered me at all. You could smell it a bit, I suppose, uh, but they did a great job of keeping that air conditioning well turned up. So you could, you know, there was no smoke to be seen. There was, uh, you could tell the carpets were well shampooed. 
because you can smell that kind of carpet shampoo smell that I can only describe. Uh, so I couldn't complain about that. They did have um, an outdoor smoking area on the promenade deck, which I thought they'd done away with on most of the ships. That area tended to be a bit more smoky, I feel, than say, the casino was. And then they did another smoking area up on by the pool deck. But it was right in the corner, so I can't tell you exactly what that was like. Well, let's talk about your ports of call during this 12-night cruise. What was your first port of call, and what did you think? So the first one was on day three. We went to a town called Moldy. You know, there was tours up. The main tour highlight that everybody went about was the Atlantic Road. But we just decided, you know, we'll go, we'll walk around the town. They gave us a map, and they said, oh, you can walk up here. There's a lovely viewpoint. It turned out it was that road. A very vertical uh, climb up a mountain. Uh, what was, should have been a leisurely stroll actually left us in agony for days. Mm-hmm. But it was good fun. The views were stunning. We 200 over 200 mountains to stare at across this fjord. And it was um, like nothing you've ever seen. It was absolutely beautiful. Then the next day we entered the Arctic Circle. So the sun stayed up then. To, that was on, uh, I want to say, a Tuesday, Wednesday. And the sun stayed up the following Monday. Day five, we arrived in Tromsø which we just went on a walk around the town. We found a nice aquarium. We liked the aquarium, so we went in there. It was kind of cool. They had a glass tunnel that you could walk through, and there were seals swimming in the bullet and various fish. Then day six, we arrived in Hunningsvag, which uh, was the most northerly uh, stop for us. And we had an excursion booked there that we booked privately before we went away. A similar excursion offered by the cruise line is so expensive. And this you know, tour company offered us guarantees to get us back to the ship so we're quite happy with that um we could have saved even more money if we just waited and booked it when we got off the ship but hey ho uh but that took us up to the north cape which is the most northerly point of europe we had some stunning views across the arctic circle and the highlight is to have your photograph taken under this monument thing they have there and we did that that was it was really good uh we were really happy we did that and we got to see like uh, a sami village along the way with sami being the native norwegian people you know, it's a really interesting excursion and um, would make me <laughs> revisit the, my refusal to do excursions in the future. Then we had another sea day. Then we went to Alessund. A friend of ours had been on a cruise a couple of weeks earlier. He said, go and see this aquarium in Alessund. You can see a bit of a theme there. So we walked six kilometers out to us. Um, we like walking, so we're happy with that. And this was really cool. It was an open air aquarium with uh, seals and otters and various other um native fish life it was, it was really worth going to that's all we did there then the next day we went to Flam. Flam, you dock in this really you know narrow fjord and the mountains just jut up either side of the ship which is stunning this is a holiday village full of like little cabins and an outlet mall and there's a railway so the highlight there for everybody too is this railway that takes you up to the mountain and you see loads of sights and things like that we didn't do that <laughs> again we we took a hike up a mountain and see a waterfall um and, you know, my legs got a good, another good workout that day, which was good fun. Then we had, uh, on day 10, we had an unexpected stop. A couple of weeks before the cruise, they added an extra stop to the cruise. So we lost the sea day, but we gained Haugesund, I want to say it's called, which was a really interesting town. Um, I guess that they're trying to promote it. So because I see it on a lot of itineraries now for cruises. And you can go there. Um, it's the home of Marilyn Monroe's father. So they've enough lovely statue to Marilyn Monroe there. And then we did a walk around that town, the coastal walk. Around. We saw the statue of Harold the Fairhair, the kid is an old king of um, Norway's, and then out to the monument for Norwegian unification, which was quite interesting. And then it just a stroll through the town. Then on day 11, we went to Christiansand, a very pretty, very wealthy town. 
and we went out to the fishery there, which was quite cool. Um, they've converted this old fishery into kind of a nice leisure area full of restaurants. There is still a fishery there, but it's a lot more pleasant now to be in. And it's beside the military park. So we had lots of walking around there, around the marina. It was good fun. We had to take a bus to that one because they couldn't dock in the city. There was already um, an Oceania ship, I think it was, there that day. So we had to take a little bus in. It's the only time we had to do that. And then that was pretty much it. We had a sea day and then we were right back in Amsterdam. Very cool. It sounds like you uh, you made the most of your port time for not booking many excursions. We just do that. We just go off and we follow our noses. We pick up a map and they say, okay, that looks interesting. We're going there. That's what yeah, I was going to ask you, like, do you do a lot of research on these ports going in or is it kind of you step off the ship and kind of play it by ear? If it's a port I've heard of or some, somebody has told me to do something there, I will research that in depth. But generally, by the time a cruise is coming around, I'm just like, you know, I'm just happy to be on the ship. Most cruises I do are for the ship and the ports are just like an attraction. So generally, no, we don't do a lot of research. I won't pretend we do. But we're, we're, we're very fond of using like the local tourist information office and, you know, guides that we might find or hop on, hop off buses, depending on where we are. Norway is just full of very pleasant people. Am I right when I say that? It is full of very pleasant people. Yes, I cannot complain. They were all very friendly. It was one of the cleanest places I've ever been. Yeah. Um, well, apart from Canada. And it just, it was very, you just felt, good being there the only downside to norway is incredibly expensive you know two coffees is setting you back you know 15 euro which mm-hmm. is well today's rate it's about 15 dollars you know we went for a beer one day and that cost us like 12 dollars each <laughs> so it was kind of that was kind of crazy but it was um so you don't go to norway shopping i won't pretend you to <laughs> uh but it's a fun place the people there are very friendly and they all seem very happy i guess if we had a sovereign wealth fund like that we'd be happy too for sure, yeah. I remember <laughs> on a previous Norwegian cruise, uh, finding out a lot of information. We went to um, a museum about that. It was like millions of kroner per person they have just sitting in cash. And you're just like, wow. You get back to Amsterdam. How was the debark process? A few years ago, we had a problem with uh, Royal Caribbean losing our local. Well, not so much losing our local. Somebody else took our luggage and Royal Caribbean weren't very helpful. So since then, we've always done self-disembark. Between that and the Diamond Plus membership, we can get off pretty much whenever we like. But they want everybody off earlier because they're spending a lot more time cleaning the ship. So we were off before 8 a.m. Um, I think um, maybe it was eight, just after 8 a.m. We walked off. There was pretty. There was no lines, no nothing. Even though they had like they had given everybody these, you know, the tags that you get to get off the ship. So it was very simple. It took us less than 10 minutes to get back out onto the street and we were on our way. We walked up to the train station, which is quite nearby and took the train back to the airport. Any first time tips to offer someone who is either taking a Norwegian slash Arctic circle cruise or sailing on Jewel of the Seas? So if you're going to Norway or the Arctic circle, take lots and lots of photos, particularly if it's your first time, you, you will never stop looking back at these photos. Never. There's just so much to see. And it's such a beautiful part of the world. Get up early and make the most of your day every day, I would say. For Jewel of the Seas, if it's your first cruise and you've seen all these wonderful advertisements for Royal Caribbean, then don't expect that. She's an older ship. She has a lot less facilities, but she's still a beautiful ship with some beautiful staff on board. So just go and enjoy that and make the itinerary your highlight. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for y'all? So for us, it was definitely the itinerary, going to the Arctic Circle, seeing the midnight sun um, and just the Norwegian fjords and just returning to cruising. It had been three years since we'd been on a cruise and we were just like ready to go. We're used to having two, three cruises every year. So we really needed to go. In closing, your final thoughts of Jewel of the Seas. 
she's a beautiful ship. You know, she's Royal Caribbean through and through. She's showing her age in parts, but uh, she's very friendly, wonderful entertainment. You know, she's definitely a favorite. I would go back on her again tomorrow if I could. After the past two years, who's not showing their age? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. We've been talking with Declan about his 12-night cruise aboard Jewel of the Seas up there to the Arctic Circle in Norway. Thanks so much for sharing this review, my friend. Great talking to you. Thank you, Doug. Love the show. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.